Hi, my name is Aaron. And this is Micah, and you are listening to the WP Square One podcast. With us today is Jason. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, no problem. So just a quick introduction. Uh, Jason, uh, you've been in the WordPress space, I believe, for quite a while, and you do a yes. lot of work with uh, clients to help them essentially uh, improve their business, their sales, and recurring revenue as well. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you do beyond my brief description. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, as you said, uh, I've been in the WordPress space probably since about 2014, like full-time. Um, I specifically have specialized my business in in and around WooCommerce and specifically the subscriptions plugin or anything that has to do with building repeat business for, for my clients. Um, but also to <clears throat> have since morphed that a little bit more into uh, not only that, but also to be able to decrease the time to first purchase. So when somebody opts into like, let's say their mailing list or a coupon or something of that nature, once they actually make that first point of contact, see if we could decrease that time to the first purchase. Um, and that's what I help my clients with. Um, and I do that through both development and automation, tying those two together with some on-site personalization around the subscriber data, um, things of that nature. And, you know, as I said, I've been doing this now for quite some time. Um, and but I started out pretty much as a, a theme builder, custom plugin developer, um, <clears throat> helping clients uh, just manage their site on an everyday basis through updates and maintenance and and backups and all of those kind of things. But I've since kind of moved away from that. I still have one or two clients that have been with me for a long, long time now, four plus years, um, that I still do that for. But that's not a a big focus of what I do now. So given that you are focused in on more of the kind of e-commerce type client and optimizing their sales and conversions, uh, what would you say is kind of like your number one thing you use to stand apart from other people who are doing similar things? Yeah, for me, it's, it's really just connecting at a human level. A lot of people do the, hey, I'm going to do a tripwire. Um, I'm going to do coupon, card abandonment, those sort of things, which I do all of those things as well. But what I try to do is initially when somebody opts into a list is try to learn exactly what they're there for, where they opted in from, um, make some assumptions in and around that. Um, and then present the appropriate pitch, if you will, um, to buy that thing that makes sense for them. Um, so understanding really their motivation and their intent when they actually land upon a brand um, to then give them exactly what they're looking for, uh, both maybe just prior to when they're looking for it, but absolutely when they are ready for it. Um, so what I do with my clients before I do anything is really just try to understand the business, the goals of the business and their customers and what the goals of the customers are. Nice. How did you, uh, how did you start, um, like making that, that transition 
from from your WordPress maintenance guy, you know, to uh, what you do currently? I guess I was. <clears throat> I suppose it was more just asked of me from my customers, my clients. Um, I've always been fascinated about e-commerce. While most developers have always run away from that sort of thing. I'm one of those guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've always flocked to it even before I was in the WordPress space. I mean, I, you know, and I'm showing my age a little bit, but in the early 2000s, you know, I was working for consultant firms and I was writing Java, you know, writing Java uh, J2EE applications built for e-commerce. Um, then I moved to Ruby on Rails and custom PHP and Magento, WooCommerce and all that stuff. So uh, I've always flocked to it and I've always li- un- liked the <clears throat> the challenge of the human nature behind e-commerce because, I mean, when I first started, people didn't even want to put their credit card on a website, let alone all of the other now like small tweaks that we make around you know the position of a checkout button what we have on a checkout page versus what we have on a product page to try to upsell and things of that nature so that whole behavioral uh level of e-commerce for me has always been very interesting and a a challenging uh problem to solve and just who i am personally you know when the opportunity presented itself to me with some of my customers to be able to then essentially up level what I was doing for them. Uh, I just jumped at it. I just said, Hey, look, you know, this is, uh, this is some of the experience that I have and some of the information that I have based around the data that I can see um, from you, from Google analytics, from just customer behavior, some email subscriber record data, these things that we're collecting, <clears throat> even things like Hotjar and and all of those other kind of analytical tools that you put on a website, uh, this is what I think we could do. And then we would do it, test it, analyze it. If it worked, awesome. If it didn't work, we went back to the drawing board and maybe tried a different thing. So it was more of just an evolution um, of the way in which I help my clients accomplish the goals that they want to get to. Because a lot of it was, I would get leads coming in saying that they wanted to redesign their site. So why are we redesigning the site? Like while we could do that, um, I would actually like to understand why, what's the point? What's, What's not working for you? What is working for you? And most of the time it really got down to the fact that sales were slow and they thought that that was the solution where that might've most times was not the solution. It was more along the lines of maybe it wasn't mobile ready at that point in time. Maybe it was <clears throat> slow and perf- the performance of the site was bogged down by something. You know, So there was these other things that happened where I just analyzed and tried to ser- you know, serve the best solution that I possibly can to clients. Which I think is where a lot of people get stuck a lot of times is they try to sell websites mm-hmm. as opposed to solutions. So it sounds like you are definitely <clears throat> focused on the the solutions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I'd much rather <clears throat> take it from the perspective of saying, okay, l- let's think about this. If it, it may be the case that you need a redesign, but I really want to figure out if that is the ultimate solution for you, right? And so we want to both go to the same 
end place, the same goal. We both want to get there. Um, I'd be ecstatic about that. So let's just make sure that that's the destination that we want to get to. And I'll just unpack that with the client. Kind of just a lot of times I think, especially as a designer and developer starting out, especially starting out, is that you almost kind of like whatever they come to you with is the thing that you should be doing. And most cases, in my experience over the past nine years or so uh, of doing this full time for myself, that's not the case. That's more of just their assumption. And they're looking to you as the expert to then professionally give the proper solution to them. So what um, what are some ways that you have been able to, I know you in helping other people scale their businesses into kind of more uh, I guess, uh, in terms of recurring revenue, you know, people not spending as much time for not trading time for money. Um, so what are some things that, uh, you do in your business? I know it's a very consulting can be a lot of times trading time for money. Do you do anything, um, that you would say does scale, doesn't scale very well? Um, how to, how does that work with, uh, with your consulting business? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> how my services side of the business is built is is really on productizing everything around it, <laughs> around the actual project, right? Things like the sales process, the, the pipeline, how a lead comes into the business, how I handle that lead and converse with that lead, whether it's through a call, which is preceded by a, an application that they have to fill out. Um, and then following how they come on as a client, the things, the client onboarding process, the client update process, we have weekly calls, um, all of that stuff, the client management, essentially the client experience with me is all the same, no matter who it is. Um, while I may be working on segmentation projects or building an add on to the subscription plugin, uh, things of that nature based off of their needs. While that stuff is different, everything else is the same. We still have that weekly call, all the automation and everything around all of those things um, is the same. And then it's the offboarding too, right? So while my clients are 85% recurring, um, they do cycle out, right? They, they graduate, I, I like to call it anyway, um, because we've accomplished what we set out to do um, and they're in a better place. And so when they graduate, there's that offboarding process, which is also the same for each and every single client. And so all of those things over time, I've automated because they are the same kinds of clients, the same kind of projects per se, and the same kind of businesses. Um, I've ironed all of those things out so that I can automate that. And it just does that stuff in the background for me. Um, I don't need to have an admin update certain spreadsheets or certain tickets or certain this and that and the other, um, that stuff's all handled for me, just basically tying things together. So would you, nice. uh, sorry, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I, I guess my, my follow-up to that was, uh, as far as tools, do you happen to have any favorite tools that you use that are really you helpful? You beat me to the automation? question, man. 
<laughs> shiny <laughs> objects, shiny objects. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's weird. Like, I, and you know, like I said, I'm nine years into this, um, and I still try to simplify things as best as I possibly can. Um, Zapier is a, a tool that has tied a lot of my his as historically tied a lot of my applications together. Um, but <clears throat> lately a lot of, a lot of SaaS businesses integrate with major, you know, SaaS businesses, right? So ConvertKit is essentially the communication tool that I use for all status updates and things of that nature. Um, and <clears throat> I just build in, you know, between pipeline and ConvertKit, my website, um, those three things are essentially speaking to each other constantly, um, depending on what the client's doing, where they are in the pipeline, where they are as a customer, those sort of things. And that's that's my toolbox, if you will, is really ConvertKit, PipeDrive, and my website. Um, and based in and around that, that everything else kind of is something of uh, in flux, if you will. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> I like this. So I, I have uh, very recently uh, spun off uh, my agency's uh, web hosting into its own uh, company. And it was, I am learning lots of automation uh, stuff. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's fascinating how cool, like it feels when something works. I mean, mm -hmm. like my first, um, uh, integration between um, FreshBooks and uh, Stripe and you know, stuff like that. I was I was like, yay, it worked. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like it's such a simple and, and stupid thing, but it's nice to have those tools. I I just went to the uh, ConvertKit uh, website, never heard of it, um, and that's one of the things I love about um, interviewing people is just learning people's uh, tools. Um, so is uh, ConvertKit, basically, your that's your email um, yes. marketing uh, tool. It's my yeah. I mean, it's it's an email marketing platform, um, and I use it as such. But I also do the like transactional emails through there. While it's not oh, really meant okay. for that, um, and by transactional, I mean like every single week I send you know updates to my clients um, through that. And this way that I know that it's going to be delivered. I can see if they got it. Um, you know, it's, <clears throat> it allows me to tag people based, you know, tag clients based on certain actions that they take or not take um, on those emails. So I use that as essentially like the, the, the point of record for every person that's encountered my business. Um, whether it's a lead, whether it's a client, uh, past client, that sort of thing. And I have all triggered automations based in and around those things. It's nice. And how does that integrate with a uh, pipe dream or are they, or are they integrated or are they kind of separate, separate uh, pipe tools? drive? You mean, I'm sorry, pipe, pipe drive. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty tightly integrated because pipe drive is my CRM. So if somebody comes in, if somebody just emails me, right, I'm going to then respond to them through pipe drive and based off of custom fields that I put in to that record, uh, it will actually 
send that data over into ConvertKit and trigger off a set of emails uh, based around that. And it could be a drip fed sequence. It could be, hey, <clears throat> we want to book a call. Uh, it's any number of different things, but it's all based off of what I fill out inside of Pipedrive. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, I, I I try to think like in the in the WordPress community, there's a ton of freelancers, um, and there aren't a ton of people. At least, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I don't think too many people are using integrations like that for a you know uh, a, a very small team. Uh, but it's it's brilliant to do it. Um, I'm somewhat new to it. My business partner um, is he's all about automation. Um, it's I mean, it makes makes perfect sense for for you. Yeah, I mean, as a developer, I basically the way that I look at it is two things. One, if I have to click around on a screen the same click sequence more than twice, then I got to figure out a way to automate it. <laughs> and two, it's I want to see if the robots can do it before I have to hire somebody to do it, right? And so, um, I that's it's something that I've <laughs> I even had in the corporate world. Right. Like I had a, uh, my direct report where basically said, like, I'm just going to give you work until you scream. And then when you scream, then I'll give you a little bit more. Right. And so that's kind of how I look at automation. Right. I just basically look at it from the perspective of how much can I give it and how much can I lean on it until I can't lean on it anymore. Um, and you know, just by simplifying the tool set, but is one thing. But you really do have to understand one, the client, and two, your processes of the business, right? So, like if you're if you're essentially reinventing the wheel, if you're building websites that are completely different industries, completely different, you know, small business versus enterprise business, and all the projects are different, it's going to be hard to automate a lot of what you want to do because, like I said, I work with a specific. So, set of of businesses so i can build out emails and nurture sequence and things of that nature and talk in the language that they're going to they're they talk in um, and it's going to resonate with them and it's going to be easy for me to kind of can up all of the other things that i do with them outside of the custom work nice very cool um well, let kind of shifting the the topic here a little bit, uh, Micah. You can uh, interject here and say, "Aaron, you're doing this wrong." No. <laughs> 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 but um, from um, kind of the the whole um, the reason why this podcast exists is because of uh, it's called WP Square One, and um, the you know the the go question or the main question is you know. If uh, you could go back to square one, what would you do differently? And I think, you know, you said it'll uh, show your age that you've been doing stuff since uh, 2000, 2004, whatever. Um, it, and I'm like, well, I did something before then. So does that make me even older? <laughs> I'm like, may, maybe, you know, but, um, you know, with um, my gray hair uh, exist uh, because I'm, uh, really smart, right? No, it's just I've been doing it for a long time, uh, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that I would, I'd probably do differently. Uh, you know, probably not waste as much time trying to figure out, uh, you know, a a framework, a PHP framework that you know w 
you know, wasted a year of my time. Um, <laughs> but what, what would you do differently if you could kind of start back either in the, you know, getting into WordPress or even, you know, further back when you were doing Java? Yeah. So, I mean, like, like, I mean, I graduated college in 99 right? and I, <laughs> I was doing at that point in time, I was working at a fortune 100 company, basically building Java apps and applets at the time. And so, um, <clears throat> but all the while I knew that I wanted to work for myself. Um, I knew that at a really early age as a teenager. Um, and I, even back then I didn't know exactly what that looked like. I just knew that, Hey, as an adult, if I want to take off on a Tuesday, I should be able to do that without asking for permission because I'm an adult. Right. Um, and that's kind of how I looked at it. But if I was to go back to square one, as you say, <clears throat> I would have to say, while my skills as a developer are fine, it was all of the other things, right? The sales, the marketing, how to talk to clients, um, how to manage clients, all of that stuff, I just almost took for granted as I worked full-time um, because I didn't have to do that. Um, and what I found was was that in... 2002, when I got laid off because of the dot-com bubble burst, um, I said, hey, this is my time to try it out for myself. And within 18 months, I was back sitting at somebody else's desk at a design agency because I didn't know all of those other things. Um, <clears throat> so it was a matter of me understanding that while I'm not a sales guy at all, if I want to have a business, I have to understand sales and I have to figure out the ways in which I can sell the thing that I want to sell. Um, similarly with marketing and client management, working with clients, understanding clients, understanding human behavior, all of these other human aspects and business aspects um, and skills I didn't have. So I would encourage the younger Jason to take a step back, look, look and learn from other people that do those things, which is what I essentially did between 2004 and 2010 was learn from salespeople, learn from marketing people, learn how to run a business. Um, so that <clears throat> when I did go back out on my own again, I stayed there. I didn't, want to go back again to a full-time job because if I did that I would have been like all right forget it um, so I would I would tell the younger Jason to understand the skill sets that you have and your strengths but also understand your weaknesses and if you understand your weaknesses at least in a roundabout way uh, for you to start out you have to know at least the 101 and the 102 of those so that then you can either level up or bring on somebody else uh, that can do those things much better than you can. So once you um, started realizing that sales and marketing and these things were some of the gaps in your understanding, what was your um, strategy, I guess, for kind of filling those gaps? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> one, it was because, I mean, I, I worked for several design agencies over those six years between 2010 and, and 2004. And 
what I saw a lot of the sales team was, was like cold calling and going to conferences and having a booth at a conference. And, you know, I worked for a design firm that only dealt with the medical industry. So they would buy booths at like plastic surgery, surgery expos and, you know, dermatology expos and things of that nature, trying to sell websites to these doctors and all of these medical professions and organizations. And I was just like, I'm not going to do that ever. Like, <laughs> it's just not me. Um, <clears throat> and I would see them on the phone all day long and, and, and all that. And what I wanted to really understand was while I, I saw what they were doing, um, I wanted to understand the underlying process of it all. Like, how, like how often do you touch base with the same person or do you? Or what are the signals that you lean on to either back away or move forward, right? And things of that nature. Like I really wanted to understand the nature of sales. Um, <clears throat> and then so that I can adapt who I was as, as a human being and a potential business owner at that time, um, how I can adapt that in, in a certain way. And a lot of what they really said was it was just, you know, human relationships, becoming friends if you can. Um, while some of the salesmen said, yeah, some of my clients, I, they go golfing together. They go out to dinner when they go to these conferences. Sometimes they don't even go to the conference very long. They just meet up with all of the people in that local area that they've already known for a few years and things of that nature. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, I, can, I have friends. I've done that before, right? And so what I wound up doing was... <clears throat> essentially looking at myself and how can I do this in a way that made sense for me as somebody that has introverted tendencies. I'm not going to do those things that I mentioned, but what can I do and how do I do it? And, you know, for me, Twitter was natural. Um, engaging on Twitter was quick and easy. It wasn't, there wasn't too much science to it. And I always looked at it as like a big cocktail party in the first place. Um, and so what I did was once I understood the clients and who I was serving, <clears throat> even some of the plugins that I would use, especially at the WordPress space, I would just set alerts that would search Twitter for tweets with certain keywords and usually a question mark at the end of it. Um, and if, when those tweets happened, I would just get pinged on my phone. And it would then allow me to either jump into the conversation right then and there or later on at night or the next day or whatever, jump into the conversation and just kind of add to it and kind of make my name known about, hey, this is what he does. He works in Prosperous, his uh, subscription plugin, he works a lot in WooCommerce. So I'm answering these sort of things, <clears throat> sharing links, connecting people together, those sort of things. And that was my sales strategy and it worked. And I was getting work by just answering questions. Um, that was kind of like the way in which while I was doing the coding and working in the business and to, to this day, that's the only part of my business that I've had for nine years um, that still continues to this day, that while I'm still working, that's still running in the background and I'll get pinged, take a look. Now it goes into my Slack you know, my own private Slack channel. Um, and then I take a look and see if it's something that I can contribute to. You got to have it in Slack. 
all all notifications go, <laughs> go into Slack, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. That remind me, I I wrote a oh my goodness, I'm trying to think. I think it was a Ruby script um, back in like oh six oh seven that went into um, Craigslist, and I was looking for mm-hmm. a certain like old school computer and um, it would send me an email uh, mm-hmm. if it was ever in the uh, description or the title, um, you know, but that's the kind of stuff that's like, it's really fun to write. Um, and it's, it, I mean, if you could sell that, you know, automation uh, you know, that's, it's golden. Well, now, nowadays Zapier does that stuff. Right? Yeah. And when yeah. I first started, you know, Zapier wasn't there. So like you, I had to write a script for it. And I did the same thing on Craigslist as well, because what I noticed was at that time, when I, when I first started out, I would look at Craigslist for jobs and I would notice like bigger brands, but their brand, like they would pull their ads off real quick. And my thesis was, was that they pull it off because somebody sees that logo they're going to apply. And then after they get a number of applicants, they're just going to pull it down because they're just going to pick out of the 50 or 100 or 150 applicants that they just got within the one day. So I wanted to be first. I wanted to be first in line. So like you, I just wrote a script that went out, looked for certain things, certain search terms and things of that nature. And I wound up landing jobs like from Canon, Sony, Gander Mountain, all from nice. Craigslist, you know, and like that helped me in my business, um, you know, at the very initial stages to get those logos. Now, while those logos are nice, they're not even close to the type of client that I work with today. But I mean, it was another way in which I said, hey, I, I would like to work with these bigger brands. They seem like they got good projects and, you know, they were WordPress, you know, based projects. Um, and so... Let me see if I can land a few of these. And so I did. There's nothing wrong with that. So beating people to the punch, man. Exactly right. Exactly right. Like if if you snooze, you lose sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. Micah, you got anything, my friend? Yeah. um, The one thing we haven't touched on is the fact that, uh, Jason, you do, you have two podcasts. um, So... As we're kind of winding down, uh, we like to make sure we give you plenty of time to market yourself here as well. But uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your two podcasts, what those are about, where they can be found, and some of that information. Sure. So uh, two podcasts. One is Live in the Feast, which is a seasonal-based podcast helping developers and designers uh, get over the hurdles that I and other people have had in the past. Um, this season is season six right now. Um, and we're all talking about pricing. Every season has a theme to it. So we talked pricing, we talked about marketing, getting clients, niching down. And then each episode is basically a deep dive into that. It could be a strategy. It could be a story, um, where there's an actual takeaway that you can walk away from listening to the podcast on. Um, and that, you know, like I said, that's a seasonal podcast. So there's about 10 to 12 episodes per season. Uh, and then I break for about a month, uh, figure out who I'm going to bring on next season and things of that nature. Um, and then I have Ask Res, which um, that's a short form podcast. Uh, it's about five or seven minutes. And that was a fun experiment that turned into a full year of every single day podcasting. <laughs> where I, 
I'm a notorious experimenter when it comes to my business and various platforms. And podcasting for me is, you know, well, I mean, we're talking on a podcast right now. So for me, that's my medium of choice. I'm much rather go on a podcast or have a podcast or bring somebody on my podcast and have a conversation than write a blog post. Um, so what I wound up doing was because I was getting asked a lot of questions uh, via Twitter, email, at, at meetups, whatever. Um, and I just kept answering the same things over and over and over again. And so I said, well, what if I just add, answer these questions in audio form and make it as a podcast? And so I started out on Anchor. Um, this is now over a year ago, uh, just answering a question and that I would get. And then that link exists somewhere that I can refer the next person to. So I did that and I turned it into a podcast because like a, a real podcast, I guess, if you will, as much as a real podcast is, but basically I took it off of Anchor, put it on my website, um, and you can find all the episodes there and all the questions categorized as such um, around pricing, client management, sales, marketing, all of those kind of things where I just answer a question and you get an answer. So um, they're fun to do. I love podcasts. And as I said, it's Live in the Feast, uh, where you can go to res.com slash podcast or ask res and you could go to res.com slash ask and this season, which I'm launching actually in a couple of weeks, middle of August, um, for Ask Res, I'm changing the format slightly. So I'm going to still do the traditional Ask Res kind of episode, but then I'm going to do another episode where I'm going to bring on an expert to answer questions like tax and legal and those things that I'm just not going to answer because I'm not qualified to answer them. Um, but I get asked them anyway. And the other kind of episode that I'm going to do is a one-on-one -on -one coaching session. So those, those one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions will be 10 or 15 minutes at length. So they'll be a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, so just basically trying to help anybody that's figuring it out themselves and trying to be there um, to help in any sort of way that I can give back. Because for me, that's, I built my business, uh, in and around the internet and the great community that, you know, especially in the WordPress space. Um, if I can give back in some way that that's fuel to my fire and that's what I want to do. Nice. And just so people aren't confused when they type in RZZ, R-E-Z-Z dot com, it's three Z's, right? Three Z's. So yes. Res with three Z's dot com is the website Absolutely. and res on Twitter as well. Um, so cool. So any other contact information that you want to throw out there? Or is that it? That's about it. I'm always open to a conversation and, uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. That's the best way to get it. Sounds good. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. This was fun. <laughs>